The Euroallegiance podcast is brought to you in part by the generosity of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Visit patreon.com forward slash the Euroallegiance podcast for bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, merchandise and more. Now, let's get to this week's show. My wallet is sobbing. I can hear it. From, I can hear it in the hall now. It is breaking down, crying. Wait a minute! It's Valentine's week, guys. We can't be doing our normal intro. Forbidden love, unrequited love, arranged love, practical love, alliances love. Well, you get the idea. Mythos is a place full of love, some romantic, some not, but love nonetheless. Let's head on a journey into this not often seen side of mythos. There we go. It's the week of love. Valentine's week. Beautifully introduced there by Rich. We're going to talk about love in the land of mythos. What does it mean? Does it exist? Who does it encompass? Who's who's involved in it? Maybe they're all involved. Maybe nobody's involved. Maybe it's a loveless land. This would be a pretty short show then, you know. But uh, yeah, then we can talk about some other stuff. But first, let's uh, let's have a let's fade down Mr. Valentine there. And uh, let's have a little chat about the news. And uh, well, firstly, let's say hello to uh, Malcolm Kennedy. How are you, Mal? Hello, I am all right. The <laughs> very back end, the last dying embers of a bit of a cold. Uh, but uh, other than that, I'm all right. Very good. And Rich, another, we had man flu in the camp this week. We had two men down. Man flu took me out big time. Yeah, I was off work sick yesterday, but um, back at it today and, and full of beans. Very uh, good. Unfortunately, yesterday was Valentine's Day, which meant I couldn't get a card or anything else sorted to a good lady wife. So I was in the doghouse. But she still showed you. Defense, she showed you up by getting you a card, even though she knew you weren't she able did. to get hers. Card and, yeah. card and chocolates. Yeah. Although Just you to, should have been yeah. prepared from like a week out, you know, if you were really doing that's, your job. That's neither here nor there, John. Let's not have that sort of talk, please. <laughs> this is a podcast about love, you know, so uh, <laughs> I'm just giving you some advice for next year. <laughs> Many years ago, we went away for Valentine's uh, and I wrote her card, Valentine Morning. I asked her to turn around so she couldn't see what I was writing and then wrote her card. So anything pretty much is better than that. Well, as I say to my wife, you know, about Valentine's Day, every day is Valentine's Day, honey. Why should we celebrate a particular day? <laughs> you know? She's always a lucky lady, eh, John? Exactly, yeah. Well, let's see. I'll get her on here once to, to ask her the question and uh, she can tell you all. <laughs> <laughs> God help me. God help me. Right. So a little bit of news uh, in the land of mythic legions this week. Um, and, and maybe figure obscura, cosmic legions as well. Yes. Uh, the first thing was... Uh, 
they announced the in-stock date. We said February all along and uh, that was going on what they said. So we weren't kind of guessing, you know, and uh, it, thankfully it still is February. So it's going to be um, when they're at Zolocon, I believe. That's in the end. The 24th of February at 11 uh, EST. So I make that at 4 p.m. UK and 5 p.m. in uh, Central European time. So uh, mark it in your diaries. Get ready. Uh, and they're going to have an in-stock sale of large number of figures and no purchase limits. That's uh, That was good to hear, guys. I think that kind of uh, reduces the complication a bit, you know, if they had limits it on shows it. They've got, Sorry, Rich, yeah. It shows they've got a lot of stock, doesn't it? Because they had, what, 12 yes. in the first 24 hours last time yeah. they did this. So to get rid of it completely, they've obviously got a ton of stock. Yeah, well, yeah, they have this, I suppose they have a full, uh, would you say, consignment of of these uh, reinforcement builders um you know to cater for the you know this is going to be the size of a normal wave i guess so yeah they just want people to be able to get as many as they can they don't exp- i think once they don't sell out in an hour or you know i think they're safe with no limits you know and they obviously have yeah. the bandwidth that uh the thing is not going to crash so they shouldn't anyway um yeah. So, and that, you say that I'm going to be um I'm going to be outside of Wi-Fi. I'm up in uh in North Wales oh. that day on 4G. So well, fingers if, crossed for me, everybody. Hopefully, it, I'll be able to get. If it, it goes pear shaped, ping me a message and and yeah, you know, well, at least Thank I you. can get figures yeah, for you and yeah. ship them across. Yeah, yeah. or even mal. Yeah. Um. Right. And um. Yeah. The 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 purchase limits always. It's just a nightmare for if you want say three nights and nothing else then you're not going to pay shipping on one figure to Europe, you know, so you're just out. Whereas if you want three or four nights and you can get them with the shipping, it'll be worth your while, you know, rather than having to kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe go in with someone else or something like that. Just reduces the complication big time, I think, anyway. Uh, Yeah. And that is always on the assumption that there isn't really tiny stock of the kind of main attractions, which there shouldn't be. And they are in, uh, well, in the order on the website. I don't think it's any particular order, but it's uh, Valiant Knight, uh, Walter the Mad, uh, Mythic and Cosmic, uh, Vorgus 2. So they're the Legion's Cons, the standard versions. Demistrios, the standard version. We did see him on um, the shelves at that, uh, uh, what what was the con last week uh, in Florida? Megacon that they were at? Megacon, yeah. Uh, we saw it on the shelf there of the um, street team that they were with, the Slap Happy Toys guys. Uh, the entire wave of reinforcements too, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then the entire wave of the Deluxe Legion builders, builders, which have been hanging around retailers, I think even still a lot in a lot of places. And there was a sale on them, I think uh, a couple of months ago, wasn't there, where they were basically being sold at... 15, 20% off, which is basically all yeah, prices. Yeah, it was, it was up to the end of December at 20% off. There you go. Um, yeah, so they, they're obviously still floating through the system and they obviously want them gone. Uh, all Stars Trolls, so that's a handy one for you. Um, Rich, I believe you got your first and only troll you said this week. I did. I bought one off, um, off a, a UK eBay seller. He was selling Bron- the uh, All Star version of Brontus. Very good. So and I leapt on that. And you got it for the one I've ever wanted. a decent price. Uh, £100, which includes mm. postage. Yeah, you're not going to get a better 
do no, the box and... was a bit beat up, but I don't care about the box. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna throw the box and then um, select figures from All Stars Four and Alithia. I think especially Alithia that could be interesting for a lot of people there that maybe missed out. It depends what they are, but I think if they had some Valax and some Baron Voligars and some Crotuses, uh, that would be very interesting in my opinion. Yeah, Jeremy answered somebody's question. Somebody asked about Alder and Phobos, and he said they've sold out of Alder already, mm. so there'll be none of those, yeah, but they've got no some moves. Phobos. Mm. I saw somebody maybe suggesting the, that, uh, well, for our next bit of news, the retailer wave, that maybe Alder could be um, could be a candidate for there, although it'd be tricky with shipping. Um, yeah, so also Varg, I think, would be a good one for that... Um, for that uh, Lithia wave, that's a great good one. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. I ended it with two unique parts on. I ended it with too many vargs and sold like two or three. But in the last couple of days, I've been like, oh, I could use that for that and that. Mm. Like, Damn it! <laughs> yeah, but if you have them and they're, you know, it was a kind of a, it's a deluxe figure. So if you needed to get your cash flow, it was a good one to sell, isn't it? And it was going for a bit over, maybe what? What, is, what it was uh, a little bit, not much. No, but, but it was going. It was going quickly, which was handy. Yeah, uh, exactly. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, what are you going for, boys? Then in this, have you? Have you? I mean, not down to the last figure, Jeez, but have you a general that. idea of what you're getting? Or shall I go first? Because it looks like you're accessing your. You list. go first, Mal. I'm opening yeah, up my he's, spreadsheet. He's spreadsheeting. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get a lot. Um, I could do with another Vorgus, a couple of Valiant Knights. Although I'd, I'd kind of like more, but I just can't afford to get a load at the moment. And then I want a couple of. Um, Cosmic Walters, because I just love the colour of his suit. <laughs> armor. Yeah, I don't. It feels weird calling it armor for cosmic, but you know, he's, yeah, he's. I uh, love that orange. It's the orange spacesuit. Okay, cool. Yeah. And Rich, so my plan at the moment, and this may change because it's changed a couple of times already, but it's going to be uh, four of the Cosmic Walters. Um, I've got a plan for a little little space faction that I want to use four of those or three of those for. Sweet. And then one for another character. Uh, a couple of the Waltor mythic figure. Um, again, I've got a couple of plans for that. One of them is going to be an undead dragon. Mm. Uh, two Templar relic guards. I've avoided Jeremy Gerard's dangling temptation to have a group of 12. I'm just going to stick to four because I've got a couple already, so I'll go for two of those. Uh, four gold knights, five cavern dwarfs, uh, possibly a Valiant Knight, but possibly not. Um, an Ogre, because Jason Rodriguez put out a really good Ogre sculpt uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, and I saw Alejandro Sorge, I think his name is, um, paint one up. It's got like big spikes coming out the side of its head. That's going to look brilliant on that. A um, cool. couple of Shadow Orcs, uh, three Silver Horns, and five Vampire Phalanx. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three Borgus twos and a couple of Demistrios. So it's about low thirties number of figures. Wow, is the current plan? Have you got a little nest egg set aside for that, or um, let's say yes? <laughs> oh, he's still his scapular voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my nervous voice. Yeah, let's just say yes on that one. Yeah, yeah. And now we know why scapular sounds like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I. I I'd like to get four Valiant Knights. Um, I'd like to get a, a one or two of the the Waltors, a Demistrios because I don't have him at all. And after that, I think it will just 
maybe depend on what comes with the Alithia stuff. Um, and a bryophytus, maybe. <laughs> Just for the crack. And then I had a couple of, because I offered before uh, in the European group, if anyone wants to go in uh, on one big order, I offered a couple of, a uh, couple of people contacted me and said that, yeah, they wouldn't mind doing it for the reinforcements. So they did message me at the time. So I just need to uh, touch base with them again and say if they're still on for it and what they want. And uh, then I'll order what they need. Assuming I was hoping there'd be no purchase limits because then otherwise that would be impossible, you know. If someone wanted uh, three nights and then you can't get them, you can only get three, you know, or two or whatever. So um, I'll touch base with them and see what they want. And then that might also make my mind up to get one or two extra, depending if it doesn't mess with the shipping, you know. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Um, yeah, you hit certain points, don't you, where adding a couple extra figures adds like a dollar to the shipping or something. It's just like, well... Yeah, exactly. Especially for these type of uh, sales where there isn't an all-in or anything. or And if you stick to the standard size figures, uh, when you throw ogres and stuff in the mix, it can get... Uh, messy with the shipping i did i think it was fours and eights uh if i remember rightly from chris's uh he said he did tell us once upon a time what it was mm -hmm. and i'm sure it was fours and eights so if you order five you're better off ordering it might have been no it was there i'm sure it's fours and eights because it was like well if you order five you're better off ordering eight because because you're gonna pay for the same postage anyway the that's same true size box that's true yeah, so let's see. Uh, that's the in-stock sale. So, that's how it used to be. Uh, that's exciting. And then uh, they announced the retailer wave. I think I'm more excited about this bit, to be honest. For... <laughs> I want to save my money for these based on the last time round. Yeah, exactly. For um, So they announced the retailer wave for uh, this year. And uh, the first figure they revealed today when we're recording, Thursday, late recording, as I said, uh, a bit of man flew in the camp. But that means we were able to bring you this news, which is the Monkey King retailer version. So, guys, Mal, tell us first what you think of it. I'm I'm very happy with it. Um, yeah, we've talked about wanting a, a blonde or you know yellow. I mean, I'd saw it described as gold, <laughs> which is a good description. But blonde-haired monkey. Um, a bit surprised that the armor is so close to the previous one i think they've it's a bit of a shame they haven't gone the silver but i wonder if that's to do with um i forget the character name from noble bear and they didn't want it to be too like that perhaps yeah she she's shiny yeah. well he was very black metal though he was you know yeah yeah i agree and just um, and just to be clear here mal he's from the sons of the red star he is in no way a noble bear <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the, no, it's so the noble that, bear wave I meant, Rich. I meant yeah, yeah the wave that, <laughs> which i believe was actually rising suns but we'll ignore that um, um and but i also maybe you know they've already got a lot of the red fabric good soft goods made probably possibly cheaper for them to stick with that red fabric fabric soft goods and my oh okay it was tempered by the fact that then the cloth the plastic cloth bits so the arms and the legs they've made them red which i really like and and sort of is memorable to me of 
him looking like that when I was a kid, you know, in certain images, having red trousers and that sort of thing. So, you know, it one thing, it's like, oh, okay, and oh, yeah, you know, so overall, I'm very happy. Yeah, they call this the Golden Sage version of Monkey King uh, in right. all new colors, okay, with golden fur and armor. Um, so the golden fur is definitely new. I'd say the armor doesn't seem to be that new for me. Okay, there's, as you say, bits of red where there wasn't red. Yeah, I think I was looking at comparing the two earlier, and the gold is a lighter gold in this one. Yeah. Yes. It's not massively lighter, but it is lighter than the, the original one. Would you say there's also brighter a red, a red kind of, black yeah. trim on it as well? Yeah. 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 So uh, I wonder if this is just towing the line between people that missed out and would obviously like to get something very similar uh, with enough difference then for the existing people that have them that might be tempted to get another one rather than to kind of really change it up by. Yeah, there is a version of Monkey King with the kind of yeah the more gold coloured fur or kind of blondish fur uh, that has a bit more silver and blue throughout the the armor and the soft goods. So um, I think they are maybe just trying to keep it similar enough so that it's ultimately recognisable as their monkey version of Monkey King. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. A good uh, yeah, as I say thought you know. Uh, it's still cool. I'll probably get one anyway because uh, I love the. F- it's a brilliant figure, um, but I would have liked it to be more different. <laughs> also, because if I'm using these parts for customs and I want to customize them more on the other end of the color scale, so more towards the silver uh, side, or you know, that would be easier to work from there. Um, but that is maybe a stupid way of designing a figure. So, you know, I can accept it as well. Um, but uh, yeah, very good. This whole, um, I guess, this whole concept of the retailer wave. So we did kind of briefly mention it before. I think we were expecting to get the figure obscuras from last year um, as, a, as a recolors and maybe a couple of other figures, um, which could be exciting. And again, maybe don't want to date ourselves too much by predicting because they will be revealed over the next week because it goes on yeah. sale at the start of March. But I would like... Uh, couple of mythic figures i think or maybe one mythic one cosmic would be cool i think we're nice. likely to get mythic but yeah. i was gonna say i swear to god if it's another color hagnon i am bringing an actual pitchfork with me to legion's con <laughs> have fun getting that through customs somewhere yeah or you'll have to uh <laughs> you'll have to go to um you'll have to go to one of the hardware stores on the way to the hotel yeah i actually uh Posted off my only remaining Hagen on the other day. Uh, yes, earlier today, actually. Oh, what's he going um, for these days? Uh, I had him on eBay for 75 but I did a deal okay. with a fellow UK UK collector okay. who uh, is slightly Hagnon obsessed. I think this is number 16 he'll have now. Wow, he doesn't like um, paint. A lot of Hagnon. <laughs> yeah, a, a guy called um, Colin House, a really nice guy. And he's dyed them, so you might have seen them before. Oh, he's I've seen him dyed shades yeah. of red and all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, oh, that guy. Okay, so I haven't seen him post yeah. much recently, so you kind of you don't know whether these people are still collecting or whatever. But yeah, he's still collecting Hagnons. So there's another one off on its way to him now. Wonder what color he's going to dye that one? Pink, pink Hagnon, Rich. I whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they all look the same color in the bin. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mal, you go for another Hagnon. You 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 get one. Or I mean, or is yeah, it even probably, too much for you now? I'd I'd probably pick up another one. I just don't think we're going to get another one <laughs> oh, unless we get like the un the. Uh, the non glow in the dark version, the non painted one, I'd take. Yeah, if it's a painted yeah, yeah. one, that by all means, you know. Rich, would you get with a painted version of Hagnon? Would you be up for that? Yeah, I think I'd be in for that. That would be better, or even you know, painted character with that head. Even you know, don't even need the rest of the the body. It could be any body type almost, or the new zombie parts. Yeah, so that's um. That's that. Uh, be very interesting. We'll talk more about it next week when it's kind of hopefully mostly announced. I saw that we had a few people in the European community get their Poxus orders in. That's pretty good. Uh, Tomas Rydberg, he was the first one I saw, got his all in. Uh, not jealous at all. But uh, he's... <laughs> Me he, neither. He's, <laughs> oh, Tomas, have you seen the faces here? Favoritism, I think. <laughs> no, I'm not jealous. <laughs> he was smart and just ordered an all-in without anything. Yeah. yeah. This is it. So that was that. That's dummies trying to get our postage cheaper. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, I also saw Ralph uh, today. So today's retailer... Um, Retailer day, basically, uh, retailer street date. And he got his order from his local German retailer, uh, oh, wow. uh of the figures. So minus the, um, minus the, the beard scales, uh, assuming he ordered them. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I saw he got most of the other figures. So, um, yeah, he was, he put a nice post on Instagram and on our discord. So he's uh, very excited about that, which I can well believe. And he has all them all opened up already. So German efficiency, boom, all open, beautiful display on the shelf. Last picture. Can you imagine doing it that quickly, Rich? No, never. Receiving the box <laughs> and being nicely displayed on the shelf in the same day, possibly the same this hour. Is, this is my long term aim, but there's still a bit of work to do. The The room reorganization went fairly well a couple of weekends yeah. ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not nowhere near that yet. Amazing. He probably did in his lunch break. Honest, it takes so it takes so long for me to get shipping notices for anything that I'll have lost interest in them anyway by the time I finally get the figures. So, <laughs> so that's good for them. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, this and that in the community about people breaking their figures or figures getting out of the package broken. Uh, I don't think we necessarily want to go there. Uh, the four-ish horse from the clock. Say, uh, just put them on your shelf. Yeah. Leave them alone. <laughs> No, we, we don't stand by that. These are, these are customizable, uh, posable action figures. So you definitely have to be able to do a bit more. Um, winter is always a tricky time. Um, possibly even a tricky time to be producing them. I don't know if, in, if it happens more in the factory, but the, the company will know more about the, um, the kind of, uh, run rate on the, defective figures um they say it's very low uh, which i would believe them because it's quite a big uh wave they said you know how many containers five containers full so i think that to me is maybe 25 30,000 figures so if we see 10 posts in the cabal about that that's a, still way below uh on a percentage basis yeah i think i think jeremy actually said something along the lines of each of those containers holds 25,000 figures no, I think he's, did he say, t no, I think he said 5,000 in each container and 25,000. Oh, I thought it was 25,000. 
Yeah. I might be up in their profits considerably. Yeah. There. I apologize. No, I think it's any of the five. I think it's five. I think it's five thousand. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Although maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but uh, anyway, a lot of figures. So you can imagine that the posts in the groups that where there are defective and you know to have one defective figure is sad for the person that gets it. But these are mass produced and. Uh, you know, there's always a, you know, what they say in inverted commas in any production is a Monday morning thing, you know, uh, that that's a kind of a Monday morning production. It's a kind of, okay, it's a cliche and it might necessarily be a Monday morning thing, but that's a good way of kind of explaining it that, you know, just a slightly bad batch, you know, maybe the plastic wasn't warmed up enough or whatever. You know, we know nothing really about the process other than they pour plastic into steel molds and, uh, Obviously, they have to avoid things like air bubbles. I think some people are suspecting some the odd air bubble in a in a joint piece. Okay, that can surely weaken the plastic. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Um, they they said that they get like uh, five, basically the the equivalent of like five all ins uh, as kind of uh, stock uh, to send out replacement parts of, and and obviously in the worst case a replacement figure, and they never get through that. So far, so it's very low, you know, and I yeah. don't see them any any reason to lie to us. But uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, noise about it, so they they did address it on this the four horsemen issue clock. I personally don't think it came across the best uh, because I think if you're in the know and in the circle where you understand that show, fine. If you were relatively new to the community or just, you know, didn't follow the stuff, but you maybe had a defect, you don't follow the community, even if you have a huge collection and you suddenly got a defective figure and you're wondering, you know, maybe I should check out what these guys are saying. And you came along to the show that probably didn't come across the best. Uh, and I see that today they've pulled that video and they're doing another live stream tonight. And Jeremy has addressed that he, him and Chris will be doing the live stream tonight probably the best decision to make on their part because i even saw on the youtube they were getting a lot of negative feedback now you can disagree or agree with that if you want but it was there you know and it's not normally like that so there must be you know there's enough people that, that were annoyed or you know frustrated by it with plenty of people also saying you know i have no problem with it and i have no problem with the way you you, you know the video or the the live stream so but, you know, en enough people were annoyed by it that they took some action. So, And me personally, and this is totally my personal opinion, I've worked my whole life in customer-facing jobs, most and mostly in banks now. So it's, it's totally different business. But I wouldn't have addressed it that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would have definitely had the subject expert, which is Chris, with the... PR public facing marketing person, which is Jeremy. Uh, and Chris had a, did have a nice present, you know, explanation of what we're prepared, but have him with Jeremy uh, presenting it in a nice uh, way to the community. And I think that would have worked well. And that's probably what's already existing now when this podcast is published. So, you know, they fixed it. You know, I don't think they, they certainly didn't mean to offend anybody in, or anything like that, <laughs> you know, but it didn't come I mean, across. The funny thing is, they've reacted to this situation the way they react to every situation, and they've got it right. Event well, <laughs> at this point, we don't know what they've done, but we suspect yeah. <laughs> they'll have gotten it right eventually. There'll still be someone who wants to gripe and moan, 
But this is why they've built up the goodwill they have with so many people and why people are a bit more willing to defend them is because they always get it right eventually. And, I mean, this is the funny thing. I get, I can understand their frustration at the the stuff going on on Facebook because that, I have a lot of these people when asked the question, have you contacted the customer services? No, or are asking what they should do. And they say so often, contact customer services, contact customer services. And those of us that have had reason to contact customer services know how exceptionally good they are with that side of things when you do do that. Totally get it. But unfortunately, with all these things, and no matter how good the company is, whatever, it gets to a point where, and it's always perception is reality. And so if if there's a perception out there, they need to get in front of it. It doesn't matter if it's completely bogus or false or, you know, people are running off the wrong information or uh, some social media posts are getting, uh, you know, wrongly amplified. Because, of course, there's always more interaction on the posts that, uh, you know, we that know have that criticism, you know, because or, people yeah. are bored and go, oh, this looks like a bit of fun. You know, let's uh, let's. Uh, yeah. And I had a problem with a figure six years ago and, you know, I'm just going to give my two cents on it. So, um, yeah, but that's the pro- that's always the difficult thing here. You know, it's it's the the perception is the reality, even if the reality is there, they have the information. They know when there's a genuine problem. I mean, obviously stuff like, remember the troll heads? That was a, just a, a real problem. There was no disputing that. You know, they didn't come with the head. They ordered the extra heads. They made it good. So you can imagine if there was a bunch of figures with, uh, you know, parts that weren't working or, you know, stuff that was breaking, they would make it good. And they'd come out in front of it and say, but if it is literally just the normal run rate of figures being broken, they probably don't feel like there's anything to be addressed until now it comes to the perception that there is something to address and they have to address it, you know, and maybe the addressing it is just educating people a little bit. Yeah, sure. But that's a tricky thing to do without coming across as, you know, uh, condescending, you know, just is. Rich, you're very quiet there. <laughs> you don't want to say it in offensive. He's just worried they haven't shipped I'm, his I'm trying not to jump to, to keep the, uh, the, the language in check. Um, no, I mean, could Chris and George have done it better? Yes. Was it a bad idea to get the two of them to do it? Yes. By themselves without Jeremy hanging over them the with a mute button. Jeremy. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been really quiet because I just, you know, what can you say with people? They just, they've got to have something to complain about. And, you know, someone's now complaining about the post that Curtis put up yesterday being taken down and that's censoring people, et cetera, et cetera. It's nonsense. Stop complaining, everybody. Just enjoy the figures. The horsemen are going to get it dealt with. They said they will. Move on. Fair, fair, fair. I think that's fair. Right. Uh, so... Uh, that was probably not the best thing to proceed uh, the love section of this podcast. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you know, it, perhaps it's the best thing is we're now going to talk peace, love and understanding. <laughs> <laughs> we watch the wind move sand. Yeah, so the love of mythos. So who wants to, uh, to bring it... Uh, at first, Rich, uh, Rich, I, I feel like you have you've done a bit of prep here in your on your sick bed. So my my first um, my first love story. This is um, 
this is unrequited love. This is a, a sad one to start us off. But the character involved, F him, quite frankly. Um, so it is Attila and Faustia is my first love story. Oh. So despite acting like a playboy... Oh, yeah. So we kind of came to this, uh, we kind of mentioned this before in another, I don't know if it's a show or if it was the live stream we did. Uh, we could well have done. It's, yeah. a, it's an obvious one to go to, yeah. hence it's first on my list. I remember saying Faustia is a woman of God and, uh, you know, that wouldn't happen. Uh, despite acting like a playboy, Attila is actually head over heels in love with Faustia. He just doesn't know how to tell her. Alas for him, the feelings are not reciprocated. Uh, Faustia thinks of him as a petulant man-boy who is just obsessed with power. She only hangs around him because she knows how important the upcoming war will be and that by staying in her position, that will favour the side of good. Basically, she thinks he's a dick. <laughs> it's his brother, not him. This is going to endear <laughs> you even further to uh, Trevor? Yeah, no, Trevor's not going to be happy with me, but there we go. <laughs> So you think uh, you think Faustia could actually be that cunning, or no? I think she just I think she knows what's best for the for the land of Mythos, so she's willing to put up with him being a douchebag. Um, I spent that whole thing for some reason thought you'd said Atlas. That's why I said it's his brother. You said Attila, didn't Attila, you? Yeah, I yeah. did say Attila. It's yeah, same faction. Yeah. Oh, like the, the, they're yeah, in the yeah. same faction, Faustia and Attila. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think I don't think she's been devious or anything. I think she's just like, I've got to put up with this guy, but I'm going to keep him at arm's length. Whereas in my canon, he's head over heels with her. He's, you know, oh, so you think womanizing he's, just because because he can't you know get what he wants with her and that sort of thing. So he's showing you know, off his fake hammer. It's a little yeah, bit. Uh, exactly. It's a little bit unrequited uh, from. Definitely from unrequited. Yeah. 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 Ah, but uh so, but they're showing the kind of good side out to the to the faction, you know, in order to keep people kind of, you know, living the dream. Yeah, where in actual fact she's got, you know, borderline or restraining order against him <laughs> as soon as they're not out in front of the troops. Yeah, she's definitely got the, the chastity belt on him uh, when they're in the family quarters, shall we say. Yes. So I say, you know, it's it's not heavy romantic love but it is a love of sorts that fits in with what we said at the start it's yeah it's an unrequited love is my first one is this something that kind of came across your mind mal or is this a kind of a left field for you no no that is not one that i uh i i was doing a bit of bio reading to see what sort of connections i could see in there and that was not one that came to mind at all right um what have you got then for us mal to kick us off from I your do side. have one from uh, Armies of Laodiceus. Oh, yeah, let's keep on the and theme mine, then. Mine was Hadriana, or Hadriana, and Magnus, uh, drawn together by their love of and their roles within the Red Shield. Uh, and they're both from ancient families. And it was quite... Um, Hopefully not the same one. Here. <laughs> no, <laughs> different. It, it suggests different ancient families. I hope it suggests different ancient families. Or this has gone right off the rails early on. Um, but, you know... I was do we, do we know their surnames? Is Are their surnames both Targaryen? <laughs> we actually don't, do we? That's oh, You've made me worry now. When that comes out, this is going to have turned out to have been a right... Uh, <laughs> You didn't but know. Anyway, we my... just confirmed that you didn't know, so you can plead <laughs> that you can plead innocence on that. Um, 
But it, I was going with the, you know, throughout history, it tends to have been, but they're both from the ancient regal families and they tend to flock together to keep that strength up and through the families, don't they? And that, that power dynamic. So that was my thinking with those two. Very good. What yeah, you, you get lots of like inter-family marriages and that, don't you? Just keep keep them all strong. You do. What do you think of that, Rich? Nothing, was that something you considered or...? I hummed and hard with that, but I've gone a different route for Magnus. Um, personally, I, 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 because she's his superior, I think there'd be a bit of a clash there. And she, you know, he'd be like, no, I, he'd be like, no, I'm too honourable. I can't do it. She's the boss. I don't want to look like I'm trying to usurp her by wooing her and you know, standing side by side with her all the time, etc. So no, I've gone a different direction for Magnus. Very good. Well. Actually, then I'll continue. My, my first one actually continues the theme of the armies of Leodiceus. So I had, uh, and, and it's actually an interfaction or an intra no, inter, intras between two different factions. Um, Attila and Gwendolyn Heppensbrand. I'm kind of, oh. I'm kind of imagining that, you know, you know, when the battles kind of get up, you know, obviously the good factions are going to have to work together a bit. And the kind of, you know, they're two, judging by their bias, like utterly serious people, uh, you know, kind of, she's the kind of leader of the kind of army, you know, kind of battle. So I'm thinking it's, you know, all talking battle tactics, all kinds of stuff, you know, sorting out the battle tactics and then sweeping all those little men off the battle tactics table and, you know, going at it and then. That's how it's going to kind of work out. Just a pure serious fest, you know, just utterly, utterly serious. Uh, and then just this kind of, you know, right, let's blow off some steam. And then right now. And what about back that? What about if they, <laughs> what about if they attack us on the left flank? What are we going to do? And then it's back to the battle <laughs> tactics. I'd be slightly, I'd be slightly worried they'd lose the battle tactics having knocked those figures off the table. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they've obviously part of the battle because they've obviously set it up, talked about it, you know, kind of noted it all down, whoever they do. And then it's like, yeah, just sweep it across, you know, kind of can't. They're so turned on by the whole battle talk that eventually, you know, they just look each other in the eye and go, right, you know. And uh, this kind of uh, keeps the factions kind of linked in terms of the battle. And I mean, obviously, it's going to end horribly one way or another. Uh, in the big battle. So either, you know, one of, you know, maybe one of them kind of perishes and then of course it drives the other one crazy or one of them, uh, when the battle is won, uh, if they still survive, is going to completely betray the other one because their true love is actually their faction and what they follow. Um, and maybe Attila actually finds his real hammer and then realizes <laughs> that he's, uh, he's more than he thought he was. You know, and uh, then he becomes really too big for his boots and kind of, you know, well, yeah, I'm not hanging around with these Etheron chicks anymore. <laughs> so, to me, they seem like a real power couple, though, John. So are we, we going to call them Ataline? We're going to call them Gwendilla? What's the combo name we're going to use for them? Gwendilla like sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, that sounds a little bit saucy, but not yeah. quite. So that's my first one. Um, yeah. 
Just a serious fest. Maybe feel a little said. bit queasy, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is it, you know, you do kind of, you do have to channel a little I, bit your inner Game of Thrones uh, writer mm-hmm. to kind of think of this mm-hmm. stuff. And this seems entirely plausible in Game of Thrones, you know, that, that like basically these two serious generals that kind of uh, have a, have a kind of a, basically 90% of their life is just thinking about the battle. And then they need to kind of, you know, release a little bit of uh, that energy. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking, Mal, if that made you queasy, you've got no hope in one of mine later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Get the Von Bucket ready now. <laughs> right. So what have we got next? Uh, so my next one is another um, same faction relationship. Um, it's Juno the Crusher. And Belfagor. What? How does that even work? Bear with me. Bear with me. Um, Here we go. Having left the noble bear and developed an absolutely fearsome reputation within the Legion of Arathir, absolutely no one, not even the cockiest orc, was willing to risk trying to romance Juno. The fear of an axe to the head was too great. That was until Arathir returned. With him came Belfagor, the mighty demon and right-hand man to Arathir himself. Belfagor was fascinated by a human being part of the Legion to begin with, and then when he saw her fight, he became captivated by her. Demon romance is not something for the faint-hearted with sacrifices and blood rituals, but it worked on Juno, and the two are very much now inseparable. So it's it's a bit of a left-field one. You wouldn't necessarily think Juno the Crusher and a demon, but I could see this working. Two absolute psychos, bloodlust. I'm Does the very, demon very quickly learning some new things about you too? <laughs> Does it? Does it? De- yeah. So our listeners, unfortunately. Does the demon kind of you know? Is it? Is it a kind of a sexual relationship then, or is it more of an alliance? Oh, very or? much a sexual relationship. Okay. A relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how many. How many? Um, how many? wangs he's got but i'm sure he's using them all to good effect um <laughs> and you know and malice yeah. enough. <laughs> demon wang <laughs> oh no demon. looking at the pictures and thinking that loincloth must cover a lot <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when we do when we do our next guest the character drawings, I'll make sure if I do Belfagor that it's clear how many wangs he has. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, this is going to go. <laughs> I think this episode's going to need a, a mature rating on it, John. When you <laughs> do that, but yeah. no, I think I random as it is, I think this relationship could work. They're they're two complete <laughs> psychos. <laughs> I think it could definitely work from a kind of you know. Uh, having a soft spot for each other and kind of you know uh yeah but the kind of demon and the human together i don't know how he doesn't just melt her or something you know maybe maybe john he melts her heart oh there we go mal there we go i'm annoyed i didn't think of that line myself from my bio (laughs) (laughs) here all week (laughs) <laughs> thank goodness it's friday uh, this goes out <laughs> yeah i I just don't know if you know if he could, she could even touch his skin without kind of melting her skin so you know 
I don't, I don't have him as a fire demon, so I, th- I think that's going to be okay. Okay. It's funny, isn't it? I'd never imagine like even fire demons have fiery hot skin. I just imagine them to be able to produce fire and be safe in it. Maybe as uh, okay. as maybe as you said uh, in our chat this week when we were discussing this episode, uh, maybe he has an okey pokey stick. <laughs> <laughs> the wizards isn't it with the oh that's right yeah <laughs> we're going to get them soon in the boxes wave so we must refer to them as that when we get them yeah definitely they're okie sticks yeah sounds good to me um right mal bring us back to uh to pg i, I somehow managed to make orc love still sound more romantic than and <laughs> <So, laughs> you know and yeah, anyway. Uh, so I thought Vortog and Queen Erxa. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a, a something that I could uh, think about, yeah. Well, in terms of the story. Rich is going to disagree, disagree again, though, because it's kind of it, sort of... This is Vortog. more like a having it off with her uncle sort of relationship, this one. So no, I'm not sure. No, just because he's got a beard doesn't mean he's old. And, you know, nothing wrong with an older man and a younger woman. Um but he could put on the his line. alternate head. That is a helmet without a beard. You know. I know it's go. not him then, but, you know. <laughs> the Because line, Lining Vortog's bio says, Vortog's true allegiance lies with Queen Urxa and the Separatists. So oh, so you, yeah. A bit you of a soft spot for extend that out to kind of, you know, maybe a secret relationship. Yeah. That if yeah, uh, uh, if Urzok hears about it, there could, be a, there could be a big trouble. And that's maybe how they end it. up breaking away from... Uh, the Legion of Arathir and going over towards, so what would you say, Tarnog and the yeah. Convocation? Well, I think they're their own little breakaway faction completely. I don't think they join Ooh. anyone else. Interesting. That's my, uh, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Uh, is our orcs capable of showing love, Rich? I think so. I've, I I have a very brief one myself with Urks, Urka uh, going after Urzog to uh, try and woo him and get her over to her side in the rebellion sort of thing. So I think there's definitely right. definitely yeah, orc that, love is a possibility. Also, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good... In, in in the land of kind of war and betrayal and everything, it's a very good tactic to kind of, uh, you know, maybe get people on your side or get, you know, get what you want. So to use it in a, in a more... Uh, Maybe it's best less loving way, but a more sinister way. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's... I mean, they're, and they're also. I mean, there's lots of like you know, in yeah, inter orc thing. You know, it's like orcs. Uh, orcs are the important thing. It's not about Arathir. It's not about his faction. It's about the orcs. So there's going that's going to build those bonds. Those bonds might turn to something else, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Very good. Well, my next one. It's more of a fun one. Well, I mean. Don't know how much fun it is, but uh, more of a fun one from kind of uh, uh, the theory behind it. But uh, Hera, Serpentspire, and Tarnog. So another orc involved there, but she's totally stoic and serious. So I'm thinking a bit of yin and yang here, and he's kind of completely <laughs> chilled out and fun, you know. So it's kind of like she's so serious and stoic about her business that he's the only one that kind of enables her to kind of get out of herself and actually, you know, be a little bit more relaxed and kind of chill off his uh, his vibe, you know. 
<laughs> Rich nearly choked on his beard there. <laughs> I'm dying here. Why? Um, because she's, she's busy helping him get his chill off and this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm saying this completely unconsciously, you know? This is yeah. just. <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's my filthy mind. I'm basically, I've, you know, Mal's worn his magic on me. Uh, my mind is now as, uh, like, you know, saucy as his. There you go. No, but I think to... I think I think this could work. I mean, Mal looked like he's about to throw up when you mentioned a human and not getting it on. It's it's, it's, it's is Hera a human a though, or is she some sort of a? I suppose she is humanoid, but yeah, she's human. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, she's just a magician. So I mean, I don't really consider wizards human, even though I suppose they are. Got sort of visions of him, him, them getting stoned together. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, he's he's yeah. I, I, he's got that vibe. You know, I didn't it, want yeah. to bring in any of the kind of Furious Four into this because it might be a bit too real. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to kind of break the fourth wall on this. Really, start um, questioning then, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, um, so I'm thinking, you know, Tarnog is that kind of uh, influence on her. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, he must have been through a lot. Obviously, you know, defecting. Yeah. On the evil of the orcs over to that sort of side of things. So he must be a pretty, you know. He's a charmer, I'd say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, you know, he's yeah. a big guy, but like he, he's he's definitely got more about him than uh, just this kind of, uh, you know, brute size. He's actually, you know, probably got more in between the ears than you think. Than right. the average orc, definitely. Because he's less. Maybe she just likes. Convocation. Yeah. Maybe she just likes really big antlers. Because <laughs> he's going to sway with those, isn't he? Because he's got a well, massive antlers. He? They're only on his pauldrons, not like they're sticking out of his head or whatever. I know, but still, that's a big pair of antlers. Yeah. I know what all, you mean. Alders, I know what Alders, you're, you're, Alders family. Alders you're, family was decimated when he got those antlers. You're, so. you're trying to get us to say something here. No, we're not going to. We're not going I'm, to I'm take not, the bait. No. I'm actually, I'm genuinely, I'm not. Anyway. You have to be the most intelligent orc if you've joined the best faction in Mythos. So that's all I can say. <laughs> so, Rich. He's a very uh, cool figure as well. He is. Yeah. Can't <laughs> wait to get him. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to take a bit longer. Although my all-in, my all-in and my retailer are in a race now because my all-in did ship. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, earlier. So that I've not had shipping notices for my horseman order or the retailer one but the retailer one is just a tharnog so hopefully that will arrive first or it should yeah. arrive first but um it's also interesting to see at least it looks like from the shipping notice i got that my all-in plus the few extras i ordered all seem to ship together so it looks like the international uh all-ins are actually uh, not just shipping separately to the, the other figures but i'll update if that actually doesn't turn out to be the case but for me, I prefer it that way because um, it makes it easier for customs because you have one receipt as opposed to having to try and explain why uh, sure a small that's... order is, is actually part of this receipt that doesn't contain all the other figures and you pay I'm the tax sure twice. That's why they said they were doing it to yeah. stop those sorts of issues. Going. Yeah, which makes sense. I'm, I'm fine with waiting. Yeah. I'd rather wait than uh, actually end up with some extra expense. Anyway, Rich... Bring us back to the the love. Yes, so this this is my longest uh, story. I apologise in advance. Do you want some? Do you want some music off. then? Uh, no, I think I think we're okay. You're good. You're good. Yeah, he doesn't like the music, lads. <laughs>
So my next romance is uh, Freya and Gorgo. Wow. So this unlikely romance has spanned centuries. They first met on a battlefield in the First Great War. Gorgo slew Freya after a mighty fight. A few days later, the next battle began, and to Gorgo's confusion, outstrode Freya with the legions of light. Gorgo fought to where she was on the field and again slew her. A few weeks later, Gorgo again saw this warrior standing poised, ready for battle. He asked one of his commanders who that woman was and was told she was of the Valkyrie, a mysterious race who regenerated after being killed. Intrigued by this, Gorgo ordered his men to capture this immortal creature. While in his custody, Freya was treated as well, as Gorgo was so intrigued by her, he wouldn't let anyone harm her. They began to talk for many hours at a time about what death was like and how living so long was sometimes depressing. One day, Freya seized her chance at escape and fled. She had the chance to end Gorgo's life, but could not as he had treated her well. After the armies of darkness had finally been defeated and the Dark Four banished, Freya heard rumours that Gorgo had in fact not only survived, but was still in mythos. She tracked him down and found a broken creature devoid of hope and at a loss with what to do. Out of the misplaced sympathy and a, and a remaining good disposition towards him, she did something that she would never disclose to anyone. She gave him, gave him some of her own magic that allowed him to extend his life. He was not immortal and would not raise from the dead, but he would live for millennia. They grew extremely close after this, and over time this closeness turned to love. Never spending long together, they would nonetheless seek each other out every few years. Now the dark gods have returned, Freya is torn between her love for this man and what he is trying to make happen. Similarly, Gorgo is torn between his need for utter destruction and the desire to stay loyal to his beloved. Fantastic. Now that is that is, is like amazing. Well. Yeah. yeah. That is probably you'd know the man was off sick for a day from work this week. He, he had time to think about stuff. <laughs> I did. He gave me a bit of time to write that, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, listeners, if we recorded this on Tuesday as as planned as opposed to Thursday, uh, you wouldn't have got that wonderful two minutes of text. So uh, I, I have to say it, w- it was worth the delay and the late night for me. Um. Yeah, that's that's. I was just I was just thinking about Freya as a character. Yeah, the, I love the the Valkyrie thing. Forever. Yeah, I love the Valkyrie mm, thing yeah. that you brought it into uh, the, the whole Gorgo thing as well, which is you know totally mysterious. Other than we know that he's probably lived for a very long time, uh, or lived is maybe in inverted commas, but existed maybe is another another thing to say with skeleton neck peg. You know, um, so yeah, that's super. Super cool. Yeah. What do you think, Mal? I I do wonder though. I mean I like I like the idea and I like that, but I always think with Gorgo that people will be put off by his smelly helmet. Because um, obviously he doesn't take it off. He doesn't take his helmet off. Don't so, say stuff know, like that when I'm trying to have a drink of water. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I, I'm just mean that he doesn't take his, his head gear off. Oh, Rich is dead. Rich is gone. <laughs> and that man oh, has the cheek man. to go on mute as he cries himself. <laughs> That's just totally unfair. You're leaving us to carry it while you just throw that bombshell on us. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are. What, what, what are you guys well, I just, all I, I say know. is... Because he doesn't uh, take his, his helmet off. I'm time stamping this for the Instagram reel. 
okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can understand that from both perspectives. I would say, or like uh, both, both, uh, both connotations of of what you said. Um, but let's focus on the one that you actually meant, which was his his, uh, his actual famous uh, helmet that he has on his head. And uh, yeah, he doesn't remove it, so you know nobody. Well, it could yeah. be like the Mandalorian, you know. Musty. Do they have to? I mean, I know they do in the show because it was Pedro Pascal, and he had to show his face, uh, you know, contractually. Yeah, he's a good-looking chap. Um, believe you won't be on it anymore. That's going to be interesting. That's the rumor I heard anyway. Oh, he's got another big gig they announced yesterday. Yeah, they're fantastic. So, yeah, yes. with Disney, <laughs> it's a bit like it's a little bit kind of you can be in too many things. Maybe he'd probably be good in it, but like it'll be very hard to. Imagine him as that character when you know him from 20 other characters hmm. in that type of realm, you know, it's the superhero kind of realm or whatever, you know, they, it, they kind of... It, yeah, it's a sort of funny one, isn't it? Because they've usually gone for actors who, not unknown, but not super well-known. I mean, the most famous yeah. was probably Robert Downey Jr., but yeah, he'd been gone for so long or, you know, he was just coming back when they... Yeah, or take a famous actor, but some someone that hasn't been in a superhero movie before. That that's kind of cool, you know, and kind of then kind of yeah. get it that way. But anyway, um, yeah. So Gorgo, Smelly Helmet, I do understand, but uh, you know, you kind of get over those kind of things when you've been in love with someone for that's hundreds true. of years, you know. Yeah, you know, and maybe her long life uh, is at the the um the cost of losing a sense of smell. Well, I mean, I don't think your sinuses are not the most reliable things at the best of times as you and I know Mal um, and uh, yeah maybe they just don't work at a certain after a certain point in time I could well imagine that yeah the, uh, and you know the olfactory nerve doesn't repair itself it's one of the only nerves in the body I think that that really doesn't yeah, repair okay. itself if it gets damaged so I did not know that yeah now often people leave their sense of smell because it's blocked but uh, if it actually does get damaged then uh, you know your sense of smell is gone and uh, best of luck um horrible. yeah so that's a tough one um yeah so i could definitely see that i i i just flicked on youtube on my phone there to see what was going on with because the the old uh four horsemen uh video is going on now just to say and and just because it's funny and i don't know what to make of it but jeremy has a george hates fun t-shirt on <laughs> 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 I think uh, it's probably that probably subtly gets the message across. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, right? Was it was it you, Mal, for the next one? I think so, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I've gone with uh, two of the faction leaders as having well the horsemen, I should say. Sorry, uh, Elithia and Arathia. Oh, there is there. It all it touches on them having very contrasting personalities, and it even says in it, it for some reason in Elithia's bio it mentions Arathia, and it says whereas Arathia's rage is full of fire and fury, Elithia's touch is decidedly icy and silent, which I know he's talking about the way they, but maybe that contrast that you know bring them together that connection a bit like I guess we've talked about with them. Um, uh, Gwendolyn and uh, Attila, Attila, mm. but uh, perhaps a bit more passionate, a bit more 
you know. All I can say is that uh, it's going to be steamy. You know, (laughs) it is. Very steamy. Ice and fire. That's steamy enough to me. Very steamy. Yeah, she's probably the only one that could uh, that could manage to have that sort of uh, interaction with Aerith here at all. Um, I reckon she's a very strong lady. Yeah, I do feel like Aerith here is kind of beyond that kind of stuff. That's he's, that's for you, mere kind of people of the flesh kind of thing, you know. No one's beyond love, John. Yeah, no I know. one. That's true. Yeah, maybe they'll find a different way of expressing their love. You know, it could be like uh, you know just blasting giant bolts of kind of fire and you know icy vampiric stuff at each other across the battlefield you know um yeah so who knows what do you think rich could you imagine two of the i could four i can imagine this working actually um i'm not sure whether they're going to go down you know a new wave of um secret messages you know Characters delivering secret messages between Arathir and Lithia, maybe. You know, there's some, like, servant vampires and servant demons, you know, with, like, little little notes and this sort of stuff. I'm not sure that's going to be a wave of figures, but I can see this working as a relationship. As you said, you know, they're the only two that can take each other on, let's be honest, in that sort of uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And out of a pick of other gods, you know, one's pox-ridden and the other one's dead. It's like, uh... Yeah, you wouldn't be going. You wouldn't be going near Poxus, would you? For for any no. sort of uh, you know. Definitely. I imagine she's sending uh, love letters via Var, uh, Varg. You know, the Varg <laughs> are just there for her to send off with love letters attached to, like the ravens in Game of Thrones. You know, it's just little yeah, Vargs going across. He's in Wizard of Oz. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's he got? Cupids, Varg Who's... Cupids. There we go. He's got yes. Belphegor just going through his little portals. Is it? Or no, who brings him through the portal? Somebody. Yeah, Belfagor opens the portal. Oh, it? yeah, yeah. So he's the portal man, yeah. So so he could be going through his own portals to Lithia. He's too busy romancing Juno for that near this Oh, sorry, yeah. But she might be crushing people at the time, you know. This is true. This is true. Yeah, so. Or crushing on people, eh? Ooh, maybe that's Oh, her... Mal, you're maybe... on fire. Excuse me, you're on fire tonight, dude. Maybe that's what her... Maybe that's what the crusher refers to. I'm telling you, the first one she should be crushing on is Lord Lovelorn the entire time. (laughs) She should be going up to Lord Bushati and telling him, look, I can handle this large hammer and just whack it across his head. Because he's always going on about how she, she, it's not appropriate she has such a big hammer because she wouldn't be able to carry it. Which is just, yeah, she should just go and whack him across the head with the hammer. That's definitely... Definitely a good start. Well, I, I, maybe at this year's Legion's Con, we could arm the uh, the human-sized pig uh, and get her to, to take Lord Bushotti out with a hammer. Oh, we could just get, yeah, when she does her, her, her when she does the pig uh, fancy dress, or the, or the cosplay, sorry. Yeah. Him. yeah. Or maybe we get uh, Rebecca McDonald to do Juno this year and get her a giant hammer and just keep going over to Steve, go. whacking the head off him. You know, and that Pete will just, uh, he'll just be on his phone taking videos for the entire con of this. They can even do it for good causes. They could start off with Rebecca hitting him and then they could, everyone else could pay like $5 a turn to whack him with this giant hammer. I'd I'd queue up for that. 
And then maybe maybe every time they just add a little bit more weight into the hammer, you know, a little, few little <laughs> lead lead pellets or something. You know, have it like, you know, firstly, you know, the cosplay foam oh, hammer. And then as it goes on, just drop a few more lead pellets into it. Yeah, sounds good. So, so Pete can deliver the last blow that puts him in hospital. I mean, he's... He, it, nothing's ever going to hurt his head with that giant big bouffant of hair. You know, it's just going to bounce off the <laughs> hair gel. I feel more sorry for the person wielding the hammer. You know, anyway, uh, another diversion. So are we done with uh, that one? Yes, yes. I, I, mine aren't as long and no, no problem. And, um, uh, my next one is Ravenna and Duban. And my reasoning behind this one is that so Ravenna is trying to get closer to the brood to extract her revenge on Vorgus, uh, who she believes uh, has it killed her parents or killed her family? Yeah, That's it. yeah, killed her family. Yeah. And Duban is obviously in the flock, and he's also a ranger, so he's out and about, kind of you know doing stuff. And obviously, she's going to maybe meet him that way or whatever, you know, while she's kind of you know trying to. And she understands that the flock will get her closer to the brood because they're in direct conflict with them. We know that from the Alithia wave. <laughs> so that's my reasoning behind that. So it's a little bit, uh, how would you say, it's a little bit kind of bio-driven, but I think it makes sense. That that definitely could be. And that's an example of maybe using this whole kind of, you know, uh, love and kind of, you know, relationship thing to actually kind of advance your cause a bit further you know which is often what it's used for in this type of a story you know yeah. what do you think of that that's pretty good i can yeah. see that happening rich i like that idea does yeah. that does that uh because rich hates ravenna the figure so does that uh does do that kind passion. of yeah. <laughs> does that kind of bring her a little bit further up the ranks Despite the no. fact that she's still plotting against the vamps, no, no she's still crap. But <laughs> I like, you know, I like that idea. I can see that story working. Okay, yeah, you think it would be I like a, good a good side? Revenge. I like a re- good revenge story as well. It would be a good story. side plot on the. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. My my, my uh, part of my problem is I actually uh, did a story with Ravenna. Well, I thought of a a, a, a match for Ravenna as well. Um, oh, cool! And I went with so I'll do that next. Yeah, 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 yeah. With links, so yeah, I, yeah. I did Sir Andrew, and I went with Sir Andrew because they so possibly timelines. If you looked at it properly, wouldn't add up. But we don't know exactly what the timelines are. But Ravenna was kicked out of um um armies of. Uh, not army uh, order of etheron mm-hmm. or trying to get those relics those dangerous relics was sir andrew uh, and moo and she sorry and she eventually joined the um convocation of basilia where sir andrew went from the convocation of basilia to the order of etheron mm-hmm. uh-huh. so maybe not sure which way they went in my head Andrew went to the Order of Etheron first and they built a relationship and he sort of taught her a bit about the magic and the, you know, and these, these ancient, these relics, the magical relics. And then she started to see it as a way of getting back. And that's what caused tension between them. So he had to 
possibly, you know, dobbering basically that she was getting a bit out of hand, even though he cared because he well because he cared for her, and that's what got her kicked out of the Order of Etheron, and uh, but and and because of his former life in the uh, Convocation of Basilia, she was aware that that existed, so knew she could go there to get what she wanted. Yeah, that's, so that was my sort of. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that. Mm. I do like that one, Mel. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Um, more realistic than some of the ones that we've had, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, we've gone we've gone very uh, realistic and possible in the last two, definitely, yeah. They actually make <laughs> sense, which is uh that's uh, that's terrible. Yeah, we should we should jump the shark a bit again. So Rich, what have you got next? <laughs> I could. I was going to go sensible and realistic as well, but uh, screw that. You guys have done it twice in a row, now, so I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to go crazy. Um, so my next one is Thrace and Hagnon. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> okay. I'm intrigued. So Take her, us further. Her bio says that her species are already a corrupt supernatural mingling of flesh and phantasm. Therefore, my thinking is she's drawn to phantasm. Obviously, he, you know, that's what I regard him as. Um, apparently, her favourite colour is blue, so I think that could work. How is her favourite colour blue? Okay. Just, <laughs> just get past it, John. Sorry. <laughs> um, don't, 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 I, don't dwell on it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think Hagnon would just be happy to escape Morgulith, quite frankly, so he'd be up for anything. So I, <laughs> so I, think, I think she's drawn towards the phantasms. He's desperate. It's a match made in heaven. And, uh, yeah, there's not much going to happen there because every time she tries to go near him, she's just going to kind of go, you know, slip. It's just going to be like kind of going through. Yeah. It's not a particular physical relationship, but there's an attraction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got it. So her favorite color is blue like Trevor then. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> not answering that. <laughs> What's that you say, John? Why are you, you saying that? What? You, what? you were the last one to create that controversy in the cabal, yeah? Yeah, I broke the cabal last time I asked if something was blue, so I'm not going down that route again. <laughs> oh, that's funny, that's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, that's a funny one. I like it, I like it. Yeah. What have you got, uh, Mal, next? My last one, actually. Yeah? It's a bit serious again. Um, mm. So... Reading into history and creating something, Vitus and Neve. Okay, Ooh. tell us. Vitus's bio mentions that he was a broke. Vitus, Vitus, yeah, it mentions <laughs> he was a broken man after the fall of Mercurian. And Neve, it's, it says she lost everything after the fall of Mercurian. Oh, I see. And she went to go after. Uh, atlas and but then joined him so perhaps one of the things neve lost was vetus vetus however you say vetus you know he became broken he became unresponsive stopped communicating with her i know these are all meant to be love stories and mine are all like broken hearts i think aren't they maybe it's that's that's Um, part of it (laughs) yeah you You can only speak from your context you know Um, it's like every um, good musician yes. went to pot as soon as he yeah. met his uh, he met his true love, you know. 
I know they all become rubbish when yeah, they're in love, don't totally, they? Totally, yeah. When, you re- your best songs when you're a late teenager and everything is going wrong in your love life. Anyway. That's it. So, yeah. So, you know, they split up, grew apart. Neve left to go after her adventure. And, and of course, that's going to make him feel even worse cause, and more of a shell of a man because he's lost his love. And uh, it sounds like the healing has now started separately in their own worlds. <laughs> nice. I think that's good. I mean, yeah, I if you can get that. past the noble bear thing there, Rich, no? Yeah, no, I can. I actually really like that. And again, Mal's thought very sensibly about this and, and connected the dots. So their griefs brought them together. So I really like that idea. Very well, good. The griefs push them apart in this case. Uh, how many do you have left then, Rich, for us? Uh, longish one, not longish ones, but I've got three lengthier ones and then a couple okay well, you, you give us another one there then now i've got possibly two left so okay i'll save that one for last mal i do i apologize about that one when it comes to that oh no yeah <laughs> i've lower in the bar here but never mind um okay on a more believable level so um delphina and sir elijah okay yeah a man of the cloth. So, um yeah so her bio says she loved the fact the order was enigmatic, mysterious, and operated secretly. And a woman now, of the Sir cloth, sorry. Is, Yeah, Sir Elijah is tasked with delivering messages, so will often be mysterious and operating in secret. So therefore, there's an attraction there. She's like, uh, ah, yeah. Interesting. Two sneaky people. Um, therefore, an instant attraction. Um, and let's face it, the other, the other Templar messenger we've got is Sir... Oh, I've forgotten his name. The old fella. Oh, Enoch. Enoch, or Sir Eunuch, as somebody called him in a post on the other day. I, I didn't have the heart to correct them. It's like, that, that's not how you spell it. No. But okay, there we go. Uh, although that would be a reason for her not to go anywhere near him. But yes, so there's an instant attraction there. And Sir Elijah's bio says that he is fluent in a variety of tongues. And that may have intrigued him, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rocking uh, Delphina's yeah. world. <laughs> how many tongues does he have? <laughs> but that's good. that's you know that's with her yeah. love of secrecy and mystery and that then that's yeah i mean if they're obvious you know me. if they're going to write the series at some stage there is going to have to be some kind of you know romantic plots it can't all just be you know boring battle and kind of you know there's yeah. just going to get too much so there is going to have to be some saucy stuff so i mean this is kind of you know between the lines here where you have to kind of you you are going to go and and the most interesting ones are the ones that aren't likely to happen, which is, you know, w- with the Templars, you know, you think, oh, they're all just um, totally kind of, you know, religious and kind of, you know, focused on that side of it. But even uh, you saw in Game of Thrones, those guys, uh, the Daenerys had the, that army, one of them, I can't remember the name of them, but they're all basically uh, castrated, but they were still able to fall in love, you know, so... um yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Yeah, why not? Right, I got a, I got an interesting one here. Um, the entire congregation of Necronominus. It's just all based on love. They love their leader. It's just pure blind love. They're following Necronominus. They're all undead. Literally, it's the love of the leader of the undead, it's all a love thing, you know? 
It's pure, blind love in the congregation of Necronominists. And that's why they follow Necronominists to whatever fate. They've already, they were already dead. So, you know, they've suffered as much as they can. And why would they bother doing anything if it wasn't just this blind love for this kind of uh, leader that's bringing them forth to kind of uh, get to where they want to go? <laughs> I I like that. Yeah. Mal is shaking his head. Make me say it. What? You're gonna make me say it. Which is? Because they were they're all brought together by the love of a good bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's all they have, you know. I mean Yeah, it is, it is. It's literally it? like two lads trying to start a fire. That's basically what it's gonna be like. <laughs> You know, <laughs> two bits of uh, timber together, <laughs> trying to create a spark. It'd be like all those first dates programs that's on the TV, you know, and any time it doesn't work out, between, I didn't find a spark between us. Yeah. Jesus, you're having dinner, but, you know. Anyone that yeah, wasn't entirely, like in that scenario, anyone that isn't entirely offensive and disgusting and awful, I'd say, well, I'll go on a second date just to see, you know. But they're like, oh, I didn't see your spark. I don't think I could uh, fall in love and get married. Okay, but <laughs> you know, if we all have, we all work to that standard, it ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> nah, bit of work, people. Bit of work. Yeah, you know, I mean, the love at first sight thing is very rare. Um, so yeah, the congregation, yep. they're all following the love of Necronominus. Now it's like a cult, isn't it? So, like, you know, yeah, it is. It's all about is, love and that sort of thing. That's it, is, it is. You know, you could you could apply it to any of the weird cults that actually exist in real life. You know, there all is, and there's often, unfortunately, kind of in a sinister way. You know, this guy at the top who's kind of you know blind, uh, you know, kind of blinded everyone into it, and then he's often taking advantage of the people within the cult as well, which is awful. And uh, yeah. It's all based on that they basically worship and love this leader, you know. Right, I think Rich. it works well with that whole resurrection thing mm. as well. You know, they sort of one minute they're dead, the next minute they're erection? alive again, and it's thanks to him. <laughs> <laughs> right, Rich. What you got next? Um. So I'll go for a serious one next and say. Uh, uh, this love this love story is pelvicus and anyone at all he can get in his cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, that could definitely yeah. be anyone. Yeah, absolutely anybody. Um, on a slightly more serious, but only slightly more note, uh, Gadriel and Magnus are my next one. Oh. Um. Not even an not even an angel can resist that beard he has. Let's face it; it's it's a hell of a beard. It's a good beard, and uh, he thinks she's the only one worthy of him because he basically is a vain so and so in my law. <laughs> so um, yeah, so he's like, only an angel's good enough for me. She's like, oh my god, that beard. Yeah, never mind being all heavenly and this sort of stuff. I want a piece of that. That sounds good. That sounds good. I had another one here, so then uh, this is the last one I think I have. Um, so it's as a spirit bender. And then I thought for some, you know, kind of also I want I saw the um, Sons of the Red Star 
as as possibly good candidates for using this type of tactic for for their means, you know. So obviously, you know, someone in the Sons of the Red Star go out and kind of charm and, you know, woo um, somebody to kind of get them to do what they want to do. Uh, and then I thought Manisha Cinderhorn. So they're both kind of blue, you know. Uh, okay, female, female, fine. And then uh, Azza is this kind of necromancer and has control of the dead. And Manisha is kind of going to use her uh, to kind of maybe get the congregation of Necronominus more under control for the Sons of the Red Star to kind of get to what they want to get. Oh. You know? And I think... That's more interesting. As a Spirit Bender... series level. Yeah. As a Spirit Bender (laughs) is more... uh, She's more kind of enigmatic and kind of you know really hard to kind of figure out and maybe it takes uh, a woman like Manusha to actually kind of charm her enough to kind of you know as a spirit bender is not going to take the obvious coming at her you know so it's it's not going to be you know one of the well <laughs> they're mostly skeletons anyway within the within the sons of the red star but you know so you could pick, you could nearly pick any of the kind of other weird, but I just thought, you know, Manisha Cinderhorn as a kind of, it kind of works together uh, for that, uh, for that purpose. So, yeah, but I think the overall concept of the Sons of the Red Star kind of using this tactic, you know, mm. you know, they already yeah, have, uh, to get their way. yeah, they already have like, say, for example, Sir Gerard, who can kind of, you know, take on the form of any character. That's already completely sneaky. Um, they have the kind of assassins and, uh, you know, the rich guy in Viteris kind of funding them or whatever. So, yeah, why not have uh, somebody out kind of trying to charm the, the people uh, to get them on side for their evil ways? Because they want to have mm. a finger in all the pies. It's a good, good bit of thinking there. Definitely. So basically, we're we're introducing Smurf love into a mythos. Then could could well be it was similar colors. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I've got ads are in one of my last couple as well, John. So I'll jump on the back yeah, of your well, your yeah. idea is really good and clever. Mine's far more brutal and short. <laughs> excuse, oh, excuse the pun. I didn't mean like that. Um, <laughs> as Azer and Joran Rune Shaper. Ooh. Okay. Um, so my thinking here is that no one non-magical is foolish enough to go anywhere near her because they don't want to get, like, you know, melted or turned into a zombie or some other such weirdness. Uh, dwarfs are tough as hell and can take a lot of punishment, and I'd imagine she probably dishes out a lot of punishment in a relationship. Yeah. But he can take it. Uh, and he's very stubborn like all dwarfs and won't be put off by her utter craziness. Like it. Like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. And we got a bit of dwarf. We we got the dwarfs in. We didn't want to uh, completely ignore them. You know. I just thought they were too cranky to be bothered with this kind of stuff, you know. We good? 
Yeah. We good. I got I got one more. Mal, I'd like to apologize in advance. This will make make you chuck up on your okay. monitor. It's um, not a tiller in the bear or something like that, is it? it? No, no, I stayed away from any bestiality. It was like, no, that's that's a line we don't want to go anywhere near. Um this one is Morgolith and Sir Galaron. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um okay. so Morgolith sees him uh, as another being of great faith, which she likes. Obviously, they're very religious, the uh, congregation. Um he sees her in a way uh Oh, he sees her as a way to sate his unquenchable thirst for revenge against those responsible for a mysterious event in his troubled past. So he's basically using her to get at somebody in the congregation who caused the the event that's in his buyer. Um, opposites attract, uh, and she caught sight of him through the eyes of one of her dead soldiers, who she can see through her eyes, and was like, oh, hello, I quite like the look of that guy. Um, and he likes thinner women. Well, you can't get much thinner than that. <laughs> Indeed. And how so how that, that, how was this offending Mal? Well, I was thinking he was going to be like be a bit of a skeleton this and not, human no, and all no, this sort I of think stuff. It was, <laughs> no, he doesn't like the kind of this blood and guts kind of stuff. It was more, it was more that I don't know. It was just something about the uh, the way you, that we were describing. Uh, Attila uh, um, and uh, what's her name going at it that was a little bit vomit inducing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a little too yeah I could see what he meant and it, it would have been weird <laughs> Gwen, weird. Gwen, Gwen Dilla was too much for you ML yeah that's it yeah that's it <laughs> so there you go that's uh, love in the land of mythos maybe as uh, maybe next Valentine's we can talk about love in Cosmerium that would be fun. Yep, we will have a few more characters by then. Maybe we'll know a bit more about their interactions. We know there's one definite relationship, a husband and wife, in because that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can definitely, yeah, uh, we can definitely say yeah. that that exists. So there's and... going to be some, there's going to be some desperate characters on the Ox Crew, isn't there, with them trapped on that planet? So <laughs> anything could go on that. <laughs> Right, I, I thought we'd finish tonight, uh, maybe just uh, with a short little, and, and um, maybe it, uh, it, it, it the the guy's name can relate to the topic of discussion from tonight. But uh, did you see that Hasbro announced their results for at least indicated their results to the market for end of year twenty twenty four? So uh, their CEO Chris Cox, which I thought uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fitted the theme for tonight. So their, you know, their uh, profits were down 48% uh, last year. So, oh, uh, which is interesting wow. for the toy industry. Now, don't cry uh, all the tears uh, that you have because they still made f- uh, 407 million profits. You know, so I think this is what's wrong with the world in a way. And, you know, when you see this, you just think, okay, the toy industry is screwed or whatever. G.I. Joe did get a mention in one of the lines that's actually doing really well for them. Um, I think it was their, their D&D, so Wizards of the Coast, uh, they own that, which is basically the, the D&D IP and for Magic of the Gathering and all that kind of stuff. They actually did really well for them, so that's where they made the money on. And also oh, this wow, Baldur's Gate 3 was a very big success for them. Um, But since 2022, they've returned 
almost 1 billion to shareholders, you know? So, like, this is the bullshit about shareholder value and kind of why these come. Like, that's just money down the drain for that company. Okay, I know they have shareholders, but the shareholders, you can give them zero. They'll just sell your shares. I mean, you shouldn't give a shit about them, in a way, in my opinion. And I, this I is someone that's worked in investment funds for a lot of their career. Okay, it's important, you know, you are responsible for shareholders, whatever. But to a certain extent, returning them one billion and then turning around a, a year later and saying, oh, yeah, where our profits are down or whatever. Well, maybe you should have used that money a bit more wisely, you know. <laughs> and there's always shareholders for your company. So I, I think that's that's my spin on the context for, for you know, people are going to see the headlines and think, oh, the toy industry is in the toilet or whatever. Um. And, you know, they say they have reduced their inventories and they have reduced all this stuff. That That's just good business. They're, they're just actually running their business properly if they're doing that kind of stuff. And they weren't running it properly before if they weren't doing that and they had too much in, in inventory, you know. So it's uh, just an interesting kind of context. And it also contrasts vastly with what we're dealing with here with the Four Horsemen and a smaller company really focused on collectors and whatever. Um, But I just, I just... I guess from my perspective and, you know, because we have a podcast, I mean, I just want to, you know, people will read the headlines there and think, oh, it's the end of the world for toy collecting or whatever. I don't think it really is. I think it's just a company like Hasbro that's kind of, you know, just really lazy in terms of, of how they operate. And when the good times are good, like a bad government, they just spend, spend, spend. And then suddenly their trousers gets pulled down and kind of, you know, they have a couple of bad quarters and it's like, oh, we lay off a whole lot of people, which is awful for those people. And that's what's terrible about this yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And, and you know, they're still making 407 million profit. And there's some guy that's earning, you know, 30, 40, $50,000 a year that's, you know, looking for a job at the moment because, you know, these idiots don't know how to run their company properly. So it's a, it's, it's a pity, you know. Um, but there is, you know, there is things that they do that are great. You know, obviously, you know, the, the D and D stuff they're looking after lines like GI Joe are great. I mean, we've talked about on our, one of our Patreon episodes, how good that line is. And if they could do more kind of good stuff, I don't think that brings them, of course it brings them a lot of money, but I don't think it brings them the big bucks. It's not going to be the difference here, but, um, it just shows that they can actually produce the kind of stuff. But when you guys hear also, something like that, what do you think? Like, you know? Yeah. And doing lines like G.I. Joe, in my head, it it engenders good faith with people. It's like, you know, we started off making this a modern G.I. Joe line. It died on its arse very quickly. Therefore, we've gone back to more traditional stuff. You're all loving it. We're, we're in sync with you. You know, we're putting out the characters you want, you know. They've not been messing around with the characters. There's a couple of minor ones, but they've generally been chucking out well-known characters. So it's it's like they, you know, that makes people like Hasbro. But then they'll shoot themselves in the foot and do other things like laying people off. You know, oh, well, if you lay off 10,000 people, we can make another 30 million profit. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way to do it. But then it, the, the problem is it's, and a few people have said this, you know, they're a business. They don't give a monkeys about the toys or the lines or anything generally it's oh. a case of we want to make money yeah it's clearly as i as i think 
what I said described. They just care about the shareholders, you know. Yeah. So to just remember that when you hear about it, you know, 407 million profit is not good enough for them. You know, it's all about that's a percentage lower than the previous year. So it's rubbish, you know. That is the shame here, you know, and I'm not trying to be a socialist or a communist about it, but like that is how it works, you know, that is how that whole thing works. So always think, you know, if they say they make a loss and, and like they, they wrote off one billion for some other thing, you know, so this is a bookkeeping entry, you know. So this is kind of the stuff you're talking about here. This isn't like we've sold less of this and less of that. It's It's literally just, you know. It's a whole load of kind of accounting and kind of bullshit. And yeah, some things are not selling as well for them as before, but that's their fault. That's not yep. you or I's fault because yep. we haven't bought it. It's their fault for producing crap that no one wants to buy, you know? Mm. And when they do produce it, stuff that loads of people want to buy, I mean, there's loads of great uh, G.I. Joe figures, for example, sitting on Hasbro Pulse that are sold out. Make more of them. Yeah. You'll sell another run of them if you want to be arsed. Yeah. You know? You know? If that's what you want, if you yeah. want to make money, make more of them. Don't be turning around to me and saying, oh, I care about the collectors. We don't want to screw over the collectors because, uh, you know, the ones that have got them and are exclusive and they can sell them for double on eBay. You know, we don't want to butt hurt them. If you, <laughs> we know you just want to make, you're just interested in money, make more of the ones that we want. <laughs> you know? They don't really care you know? About. We yeah. all we all love the dreadnoughts in GI Joe. Make them all, you know. Yeah. Make loads of them. Yeah. Make color variants of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll buy them all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there, I mean, there's so many figures to come from GI Joe as well, isn't there? Yeah. And touched on some of the the originals. So. Yeah, I was looking through um, that that site that I used for the for our classified discussion. They have also the vintage oh, figures yeah. on it. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I mean, Rich, you're obviously way more familiar than it, with it than me. So, I mean, a lot of it won't be a surprise for you, but there's a lot of good stuff they can be making, you know? And there's a lot of small-sized, you know, um, not much bigger than bikes, not a, a smaller than the, is it the Ram they did? They're doing, mm. I forget what the... Uh, the um, Vehicles they could do as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Know, and hopefully they'll... Sorry. No, I was going to say, hopefully they'll start doing more of those smaller vehicles now. Yeah. You know, Look at the, the Todd the Father. Is the first one, so. Look at the Todd Father, that skeleton bat cycle he did. People went mental for that. You know? And what yeah. did Todd do? He yeah. just turned on the, the printers and kept going, you know? He did loads yeah. more of it. Yeah. You know? Anyway, as the whole Hasbro uh, thing and the shareholders thing, it, it it reminds me of Toys R Us. Yeah. So when Toys R Us went belly up, everyone was like, oh, yeah, there's no market for physical toy stores. Yes, the market's obviously gone down, but everyone just skirted past the fact that the region Toys R- reason, rather, Toys R Us went bust is it was because the finance... Yeah, they leveraged yeah, the their fund, business. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the hedge fund that bought them leveraged all their yeah. debt onto Toys R Us. Yeah. So that they bank they bought Toys R Us, then bankrupted it and made thirty odd thousand people redundant. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's got nothing to do with reality of life and who's buying toys and that sort of stuff. It's just some yeah, it's, I mean, it's like I worked in the money. I worked in the investment fund industry, and the reason I 
didn't want to go into the private equity industry, which was is very lucrative in terms of getting a good job there, is because of all this crap that they do. You know, you'll have a great job doing the, you know, whatever for the private equity company, but like they're gutting, you know, they're buying investments and just trimming the crap out of them for three or four years and dumping them off for a profit. And then they move on and they're very good at that. And sometimes the businesses need that. And you'd see the likes of a football club or, you know, some sports team that, you know, that can work for. But, you know, there's there's real people at the end of all that, you know. You know, they go into a football club and they fire, you know, four of the five cleaners, you know, and then they've only one cleaning lady. Uh, and she's having to, you know, kill herself doing all the work and there's four people without a job, you know. And that's how they trim costs. You know, it's that principle just extended the whole way across. Um, but yeah, that's what happened to Toys R Us. You're exactly right. Someone made a bad bet. The market went the wrong way and all these toy shops closed. And of course, companies came in and bought the franchise or the business and stock. And, you know, um, somehow that kind of went on. But uh, yeah, there it goes. And anyway, as uh, the hamster takes another drink of the water, Rich... <laughs> I'm going to uh, bring us all to a close. And I think uh, we should uh, we should uh, go out in another little... We should go out... We should play the full version of the love song that we played at the start, which I got from... Uh, yeah. So, happy Valentine's week, everyone. Hope you had a great one. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully. I think I might have boxes in hand by the time we record next week. You never know. Um, so we can... Oh, I'm getting the... Uh, so we can definitely talk a little bit more about that and see what happens. And we'll, of course, talk a bit more about the retailer wave and what's happening, you know. So, uh, yeah. Very excited to be talking about that in the future, definitely. definitely. Absolutely. So take it away. What is love? <laughs>